0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 302. I'm back from a three-night sailing on Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas, and having returned from this weekend jaunt on my favorite ship, I wanted to share everything I did on board and what I thought of cruising on Harmony once more. Here we go. This week, I'm excited to talk about my recent cruise on Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas. This is a three-night sailing, which is quite unusual because Harmony of the Seas usually almost always does seven-night sailings. But the reason why they offered a three-night sailing is because Harmony had to change home ports from Port Everglades to Port Canaveral, and they took up one night to move from... Everglades to Canaveral. And as a result, they were off schedule. So to get the ship back on schedule, they offered two three-night sailings. The first one was in the middle of the week and the other one was over the weekend. So being someone who can live uh, or does live quite close to Port Canaveral and can go on a weekend cruise, I decided to book. We booked this cruise a long time ago. I think it might have been back in 2017 or so, maybe even early. I'm not even sure. But we've had this cruise booked for quite a while. And this is a classic living in Florida, taking advantage of having cruises in your backyard situation. And we love Harmony of this. My wife and I are really big fans of it. I have probably said many times here on this podcast that Harmony is my favorite ship. So when we saw there was an opportunity to go on a three-night sailing you know, over a weekend in, from Port Canaveral, which is right in our backyard, it takes about an hour to get there from door to door, it, it was a no-brainer, really. I didn't have to twist anybody's arm in order to go on that kind of a sailing. Because usually... Three night sailings are reserved for smaller ships, but to be able to go on Harmony was great. And I'll tell you that uh, if you're looking at any kind of an Oasis class ship over three nights, which are very rare, but they maybe will happen once in a while, I would tell you that it's not for the person. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for somebody who's going on an Oasis class ship like this for the very first time. If you were trying to go on Harmony and this was your first time. I would, I don't know where you would start. I feel like you'd be overwhelmed because you're trying to pack in so much and so little time. But for me, I've been on, this is probably my fourth or fifth time on Harmony, it was great because this was just, a, let's hit up the, the favorites, right? And, you know, for me, one of the things I always like to talk about here on the podcast when we talk about cruise reviews is why we booked this cruise, Harmony of the Seas, second largest cruise ship in the world. But more importantly, it offers the kind of entertainment and activities that I love. The reason why I fell in love with Harmony of the Seas. Is because it is the it's obviously an oasis class ship which I generally enjoy, and then it's got some of the best features from the quantum class. And I remember going on Harmony for the first time, and within about an hour, I knew this was my new favorite ship. It just struck me because of how much real Caribbean has added to it, and certainly Symphony of the Seas offers a very similar experience a lot of people ask me Matt why, why isn't symphony your favorite I mean I can understand why harmony but you know if you like harmony why didn't you like symphony it's not that I did not like symphony far from it I love symphony but symphony to me was like just an extension of harmony and I liked it better the first time around also I think there's some minor nuances that I like about harmony better and this is just personal things you know this is not like I don't think that everybody should feel this way but I prefer uh, the Columbus the musical original production in the mu- in the Royal Theater. I prefer Sabor over Playmakers. Uh, so you know, there's little touches like that that are just going to be you know, it's it's just it's very subjective. But uh, for me, that that was really a major selling point for this particular cruise. Uh, my wife and my kids were joining us. We actually had two connecting inside staterooms. This was interesting because I was I asked my wife I said, "What's the last time we stayed in inside staterooms?" And I was. I forget what the answer was. It was it's was. it been a little while. It's been a hot while. And what was interesting about it was coming off an inside stateroom, I would tell you, I don't want to stay in an inside stateroom anymore. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. It had nothing to do with the room. The room was great. A lot more space than I was expecting, quite frankly. And it worked out well. But my issue was the, the best part of the inside stateroom is also the worst part. What I mean by that, the best part of an inside stateroom is it's great for sleeping. I mean, it's pitch black in there. You will not be woken by natural light in the morning that's the problem as well because for me i the way that i sleep is i when when you know when you wake up at some point in the night or the morning whatever the case may be and you know you're awake but you don't want to open your eyes because if you open your eyes or check something it like starts to wake you up right and for me you know if you if you eyes are still closed in the morning you can see the the light right through your eyelids you know you can detect that oh there's light out Thus, it must be at least morning, so let me see what time it is. As opposed to when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and it's still dark, you know, okay, well, there's, it's clearly not morning yet, I'm going back to bed kind of thing. I hope that makes some sense. Anyway, I mean, in this time, it's impossible to know if it is 3 a.m. or 3 p.m., and I certainly set alarms, but sometimes, you know, you wake up and you're like, man, I'm not going, this is, you're awake kind of situation. Anyway, it didn't jive with me. My wife pointed out, look, you can buy certain not appliances but little like you know lights that you can buy that will automatically turn on or off or you know they they present lights so you know when it is and those kinds of things that may be the case I, I don't know I just I, I just for that it kind of I did not enjoy that particularly um you know for this cruise it was fine because we booked an inside state room because purely look three nights very limited we knew we were gonna be out and about doing a lot of things so time in the room was very limited and quite frankly there was a lot more space in that room than I was expecting. I was quite surprised and pleasantly surprised, I should say, about the amount of space we had in that room. For two people, it was a lot more. I mean, we stayed in inside staterooms on brilliance of the season. I remember it really being a shuffle job. And we stayed in Ocean View and Majesty, and I get Majesty and Harmony are not to be compared. But again, that was a lot of shuffling around, you know, doing the little sideways walks in order to get past something. This was not the case at all here. And I love what they've done. In terms of the amount of space you get for an inside Serum, it was incredible, quite frankly. So, And our room was on Deck 8, which was a great location. Uh, I think it was equidistant to pretty much everything, and I don't have any complaints. The really nice thing is that on Deck 8, we were the first two rooms on the forward side of the elevator banks. So when you walk out of the elevator, our room was right there. And the fact that we're on the same deck as Central Park... Really made it convenient, especially for breakfast in the morning because you just walk out our door, take a quick ride back into Central Park, and Park Cafe is right there. So uh, that was really, really nice. Uh, We really did enjoy that. In terms of dining, let's talk about dining on board the ship. We ate Park Cafe for breakfast, no question. It's the go-to spot. As much as I love the Windermere, and you guys know I'm a big fan of that. You cannot go there in the morning if you're going there anytime after, I would say 8 a.m. It just gets so crowded because it's such a small location. But you have so many great other options. You don't need to go there. Park Cafe, great spot, never crowded in the morning. It's my go to one. Uh, don't forget you also have Johnny Rockets for breakfast, which is complimentary for breakfast only. Uh, you've got Solarium Bistro, Mini Bites, the Main Dining Room. I mean, really, if you're going to the, I understand the appeal to Winjumair, but for breakfast, it's just it's just too crowded. Go somewhere else, and, and I'm the first one to admit that. So we did that. Lunches. Let's say we had three days. Should, let's back up for one second. Our itinerary was uh, embarkation day, Nassau, sea day, and back home. So for lunches, we ate. Let's see. On embarkation day, Windjammer, and then I love the Windjammer. Uh, day two, Nassau. We had a very late lunch back on the Windjammer. And then day three, all, all right. So we ate the windjammer for lunch every day, and it was great. Uh, the pasta station in the back is not to be missed. When you're in there, walk all the way back past the desserts. There is a there's a station. Uh, usually for lunch, it was I think every day it was the pasta station, but they change up for dinner. So anyway, long story short, if you're looking, you should always go and see what they're doing there because that's freshly made, custom ordered stuff. Oh, so good. If I can make one. The only negative thing I can say about the Windjammer on Harmony was their Indian curry game was a little lacking. There was, in fact, I think on embarkation day there was no curry. Uh, usually, I'm used to having like two options, you know, usually a meat and a veggie, and uh, it was not to my liking. The last day for lunch there was a a nice cauliflower curry, which I did enjoy, but uh, but they made up for it another way, so I wasn't really too worried about it. But you know, again, this is really nitpicking uh, to say the least. But otherwise, it was great. I did enjoy as a parent. I appreciate that their Windjimmer always served hot dogs, hamburgers, and pizza. I don't know why some don't. That's always a frustrating thing when they don't offer it. Like, I get it. You know, you, you they want to offer a wide selection. I, and you guys know I love great international foods. But you got to offer a little kids section over there or the picky eater section. Let's just put it that way. That offers hot dogs, burgers, and pizza. And I forget what ship it was. Maybe it was, I am not sure. it was Mariner or uh, Brilliant, some other ship. They really there was times in which we would go on there and there would be none of those options or only one of those options. It always boggle my mind. It's like how do you not offer that, you know, for for uh, in the Windjammer for a lunch or a dinner, especially lunch. Lunches are always dinners. They usually had a wider selection. But anyway, luckily, good news. The selection on uh, on Harmony was great. In fact, I think all those selections were really really nice. Some good enticing choices for dinner on the first night of the cruise. We ended up eating at 150 Central Park. Uh, we uh, So our plan was, originally, there were no dining packages ever offered before the cruise. So that was never a choice for us. Uh, three-night sailing, I think Rello just figured, well, we'll see who's going to book individual sailings, or individual uh, restaurant reservations. Once we got on board the ship, they were selling a three-night dining package. The problem was, we had already pre-purchased hibachi, because number one, there was no dining packages available, and number two, we wanted to eat at hibachi at Azumi and the dining package do not included anyway. So anyway, long story short, we booked Tabachi for day three, but we could not take advantage of the of the specially dining package, the three-night one once we got on board, because we already booked one of the nights, so that would not be a very good value. Our plan was we were going to use our BOGO option. We are Diamond Plus members, and one of the nice, really nice perks of being a Diamond Plus uh, Crown & Anchor member is on day one or two of your cruise. You are given per person a BOGO dining option, which means you pay for one fair full, one specialty price restaurant full, and then the other person is free. So as an example, if me and my wife dine at a restaurant, we only pay for one person essentially, which is great. It's a really, really good deal and a really nice perk. And we figure, look, three-night cruise, we already paid for one thing. you know. We could, and that was on day three. So day one and two, we can use the, our boat because I have one and my wife has one. We'll be all set. So we went to 150 Central Park, and it was surprisingly not crowded in there at all. Uh, it actually reminded me of the old, not the old days of cruising, but the days pro- days of cruising prior to the dining packages, before dining packages existed. If you went back into the archives here of this podcast, you probably hear a lot about that because day one was always like a very empty day, especially restaurants, because it's such a busy day. Everyone's doing a lot of stuff, especially restaurants were kind of an afterthought. And I I really believe that the the reason why Royal Caribbean added dining packages was to help Fill in those gaps, fill in days and times in which the people, you know, they'd be a little slower. It's no surprise, by the way, that the dining packages, one of the things they require you to do is eat at one of the restaurants, at least on day one or two. Uh, It's not a surprise to me whatsoever that is the case because those are, well, day one especially is the slowest day uh, of that. So anyway, going back to our meal, we were... um, it was a very empty experience, which is fine. I'm not complaining. I'm just kind of an observation kind of thing. Meal was great. Uh, we had the – my wife and I shared the beef tenderloin for two. Always an excellent choice. And then I opted just to try the venison. Venison, of course, is dear if you're not aware of that. And it is a I – I don't know the last time I had venison. I usually don't eat red meat uh, these days just for health reasons. But – I knew we were going to get the beef tenderloin, so YOLO red meat, book it. <laughs> and I went, I said, well, I'm going to go red meat. I'm going all the way. And I tried the, the venison. And the venison was uh, very tender. It was almost like a filet mignon consistency. And it was good. I, I don't know that I would have, like, enjoyed it as my sole meal. But combined, like going, changing between the venison and the beef tenderloin, it was a great combination. I really enjoyed that meal. So that was really nice. I also tried for my appetizer the beet salad. Just to mix it up. I don't love Beats that much, but I was like, you know what? Let's try it out. And uh, yeah, no, I don't love Beats that much. But it was still, you know, something different to try. So went for that. Day two, we were at Sabor. And we had a large group at Sabor. And uh, which, I love Sabor. Uh, it's on the boardwalk. Uh, it's I, I've been a fan of Sabor forever. And with Sabor being a dying breed, for those who aren't aware, Real Caribbean seems to be phasing them out. So if you're looking to go to Sabor, make sure you go down on a ship that has it between now and the next year or so. Otherwise, you're going to lose out on that opportunity. Anyway, we went to Sabor, and we had a large group. When you eat a large, with large, I'm talking how many people were in our group. We probably had a, we were across two tables. There were probably 20 people easily between the two tables. And when you have large groups, service is almost always going to be slower than if you're eating in a smaller group just, I think, the nature of the beast. So that was, I mean, it, it was when we were hanging out with friends. I didn't even notice all the time, quite frankly. Once food did come out, though, it was great. The guacamole, which is my favorite thing, everybody said, best guacamole they've had across the fleet. I mean, any any sabor, that was incredible. I went with my go-to, my, my the grilled cobia, which is a fish, fish tacos. My wife had the quesadillas. Uh, the salsa is amazing. The guacamole, incredible. I love sabor. And I'm telling you, it's to me, it is the freshly made Mexican food. Uh, I'm a huge fan of it. I think it's it's terrific. Again, if you have an opportunity to go on, there's only a couple of ships that have Sabor left. And if you have an opportunity, check it out. But I really, really, really love me some Sabor. So that was uh, day two. Day three, we were at Izumi for hibachi, as I mentioned, pre ordered that. A couple things I want to talk about here about hibachi. And this is a lesson learned here. So when we talk about hibachi, in, on any Royal Caribbean ship is very popular. So as a result, if you want, if, if you want to eat at a botch, got, I always recommend booking it in advance of your cruise. Do not wait to get on board because almost certainly they, almost all the slots will be booked up. It's very rare. And if you do have slots available, there are almost always a weird times, like nine thirty at night, which I, I'm sorry. I'm not eating at nine. I'm not starting dinner at nine thirty. I don't mind ending dinner at nine thirty, but anyway, I digress. But pre book it in advance. Number two, with kids, you still should pre-book it in advance. The reason is because there's such limited capacity in Izumi. The last thing I don't want for you to do is show book only adults, show up with your kids, and I'm telling you we don't have any room because, of course, there's only limit. There's only about ten spots per table at Hibachi. So again, very limited. So I did I did what I what I preach, and I booked a table for four. And actually, our friends of ours, uh, shout out to uh, Mister Shakedown Cruise, uh, also had a you know, family of four. So we all booked. They had two kids. I had two kids. We pre-booked it. Okay, good to go, right? So here's the lesson learned. I'm going to start with the end of the story and then backtrack what we should have done. The the end of the story was we had a billing issue where what they're supposed to – what Roller's supposed to do is say, oh, there are kids here and refund you the difference. Kids uh, up to age, I think 12 or 13, are supposed to be only $10. And you're paying – you're prepaying when you pay online. There's no child options. You have to pay $45 per person. But then they're supposed to refund you that money and onboard credit. So two kids – should equal uh, thirty-five dollars a piece, seventy bucks, right? Should come back. That's what's supposed to happen. It did not happen, and we ended up both fighting royal on this. It wasn't a fight. It was just we had to take extra steps. It took time out of our our our, our, our evening, and it became just. It was one of those just like ugh, it was an annoyance more than anything, right? So here's what you should do. and This is the lesson learned that I'm going to start applying to myself, and if you're going to do this as well, here's what you should do. So you book Azumi ahead of time, hibachi. The sushi side is fine. Don't worry about the sushi side. Do whatever you want on that. But for Izumi hibachi, you, have to book the, you should book the kids ahead of time, pay the adult price. When you check in for your reservation, inform the staff, hey, I prepaid and I've got kids. They should be only $10, thus I should be getting a refund. That way, the staff can work on it to refund the money during the course of the meal. Clearly it's not an, an automatic thing I, I can't recall I know we've done this in the past and I, I I thought it was automatic or they picked up on it but it's up to I, it shouldn't it should not be this way it should be automatic but reality being reality, I would tell you that what you should do is inf- when you check in inform the staff, hey, we've got kids, we prepaid, please make sure that this is set up and refunded so that by the end of the meal there's no billing issues whatsoever. That's what should happen. That's what I got to start doing from now on. So, you know, it, it's not a major problem. It's not like hashtag cruise ruin. It was just an annoyance and something that shouldn't have happened. But again, I think, I, I feel like A, the onus is on me for not saying anything. And of course, B, it's still on the staff for not picking. They should have seen that. And, you know, it should be an automatic process. Should not require it. But anyway, one of those due diligence things, you know, just to make sure you're covering your bases. But otherwise, the meal is great. I love hibachi. It is every time we go. It is worth every penny of it from an adult standpoint anyway. I love it. It's a fun experience. Great food. My kids love it. It's the only special restaurant we bring our kids to because they love the food so much and because they really enjoy the whole experience. Now, let's talk about my kids a little bit. Adventure Ocean. They went to Adventure Ocean for a lot of the cruise. Uh, My little one, the four-year-old who's in Aquanauts, the three- to five-year-old range, Loved, never wants to leave. I mean, quite frankly, if, if they were open 24 hours, she would stay there pretty much 24 hours, except for the sleeping back in the room thing. Uh, she just loved that. Great. The staff was incredible. I am constantly amazed, every ship we go on, the genuine concern and helpfulness of the staff at Adventure Ocean. I mean, these you have to remember, these people see different kids every sailing. Not all of them are wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I don't certainly have the patience for it. And it's just incredible to see the 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 care they take. They genuinely care. This isn't like you know the you know the first sign of a cry baby. You know, boom, that's it. We're done with this kid, right? They really try to make it worthwhile. One night, my daughter was uh, not feeling it. She was a little, I don't know, you know how you know, kids are. Sometimes they get in a weird mood. And uh, to make her, the, the, one of the staff members took it upon herself. They let her and some other kids as well. Draw tattoos on her arm, you know, they took markers and just drew on their arm. And we came back, and she looked like a biker. I was just like, Oh my gosh, why did you let them do this to you? And she was like, Oh, it's fine. Um, it they did a great job with it. And Adventure Ocean is the hidden gem, uh, by far the 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 thing that really I think brings us back. I, I don't know that if Adventure Ocean wasn't as good as it was, I'm not sure that our family my kids would be as excited for cruises as we are, but yeah, it was it was truly. A fantastic experience there. In terms of uh ports, again we went to Nassau. We only got off we got off the ship for a little bit. We they had no plans, but we said, "You know what? Just for just for funsies, we were going to walk off the ship, went to one of my favorite spots in Nassau now, Pirate Republic Brewery. It's just a bar that serves up a lot of great beer, and one thing Rail does not do well is offer a variety of beers, a wide variety. If you like dark beers, IPAs, unfortunately Rail's not great at that. I'm the first one to admit that. But Pirate Republic is great for that. And despite the fact that I already had a drink package, what, whatever, it's, it's just, you know, I'm on vacation. I want to enjoy myself. So we had, you know, I think two rounds of beers at Pirate Republic. It's a very short walk, easy, you know, easy. And then we came back to eat. So, um, but otherwise, we didn't do anything there. Uh, we did have an interesting experience on our cruise. Uh, Harmony of the Seas did dock at Perfect Day at Coco Cay. We didn't get off the ship. So what was happening was Harmony of the Seas was doing a test docking procedure. They actually, in these two three-night sailings they offered, they did a test docking on both cruises because there's two different sides of the pier. Long story short, with the new pier being added to Coco Cay, they never docked a ship that size over there. So to make sure that there's not any issues because they have no waste class ships that docked at at Coco Cay yet, they wanted to make sure there weren't going to be any issues. So they tested it out just to make sure that... You know, I don't know what, what to make sure but to make sure that they would physically work. and uh, it, So that way, when they do have a, a scheduled stop for an Oasis-class ship, which I believe actually happened uh, this week on Harmony of the Seas, on a, the seven-night sail, the regular scheduled one, that they would have no issues there. And it was great. It was actually really, really cool. Um, the ship basically backed into the port, and we we were probably at the dock for I don't know, five or ten minutes. We were only there for about 30 minutes in total, like probably from start to finish, but it was really cool to see the island, and I'm I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed and or, uh, what's the word? I don't know. I don't want to say annoyed, but they certainly were just like, they were bummed out, right? That like, oh, you were so close, and they wouldn't let us off the ship. Quite frankly, I don't know why. I mean, if you're going to go to the effort of, of docking the ship, why wouldn't you want to sell more spots? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, but we didn't get a chance to get off the ship, but it was still cool to see it. Personally, I probably didn't have too much, you know, case of FOMO, fear of missing out because I'm going back to a perfect day cook okay next week on navigator, the sea. So check out my review of that next week on uh, next week's podcast episode. So for me personally, I wasn't losing too much sleep about it for other folks. I'm sure they would have, I would have loved to anyway. And and I wish that would have happened. We thought maybe we were, were, I think we were all wishfully um, hoping for that to occur, but alas, it did not. So we didn't get a chance to, uh, to try that out, but it was still cool to see. And of course being a C day, then we just did the usual C day stuff of which I always, I, I'm fond of saying that my usual C day activities are not blog worthy, exciting. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, we did this and this and this. It was so exciting. It's mostly just me sitting around, taking naps, uh, drinking, talking with friends. You know, it doesn't make for exciting podcast episodes or live blog posts, but it's still a fun time. And sometimes you just need, especially at the tail end of a cruise, it's great to have a C day on your last day because it's really a good opportunity to kind of relax and, and check everything out. There was the onboard experience. We saw a couple shows. We saw Columbus the musical, my favorite original Royal Caribbean production, truly incredible. We also saw the uh, they had a great comedy show. We booked the comedy show, and you know what's funny about the comedy? <laughs> no pun intended. Funny comedy. Uh, anyway, uh, no pun intended on that one. the The comedy show is something we've never really done much of uh, at all in the past, but recently we started doing. Anyway, they had an adult comedy show, and they were hilarious. Holy moly! Two comedians, excellent. I. Usually you kind of get comedians and it can be really hit or miss. And, you know, sometimes they delve into like the the cruise ship shtick, you know, where they're like, hey, how about that windjammer, Boy, you know, so much food there. You know, it's kind of like there's a lot of the usual shtick you hear with comedians. Anyway, I don't think they really hit upon that at all, but they still had really good bits and did a great job. Uh, I really enjoyed the show. I was I was laughing quite a bit from it. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. We did not see the aqua theater shows. We didn't see the ice skating show. Three nights, there's so much going on. And we were all sailing with a bunch of friends. And, you know, quite frankly, I'd, I've seen the shows. I'd like to hang out with my friends. So we kind of opted for that more than anything. We had tickets to Greece, didn't make it down. For, that was in the middle of the afternoon. So I think napping took precedence on that. Uh, and then otherwise, I feel like I'm forgetting one. We did Columbus. No, that's right. We did Columbus was in day one. The comedy show was day two. And, of course, live music. And the, the pub uh, was interesting. The pub singer was talented, although I'm not sure the pub singer <laughs> – I, I don't know how to put this. The pub singer, I think, wanted to play as, I I think. This is, I think, personal preference. I believe the pub singer, a good pub singer, in my opinion, is someone who, who plays to the crowd. If the crowd is looking for some kind of songs, you play towards what they're looking for. You get some work in songs you enjoy playing personally. But it should be a healthy mix and lean towards what the crowd is going for. I don't think he really enjoyed doing those. I think he wanted to play what he wanted to play, and he was a good job. He did a good job at it. But again, I've not my favorite puppet singer I've ever seen. But that's okay. We still had a great time, and we were there with friends, so yeah, it was a good time was had by all. Certainly over there, and overall, it was a great cruise. I mean, it's a three night sailing, and three night sailings are over so quickly, and this is why I actually don't recommend first-time cruisers ever do three-night sailings, because you might say, well, it's a three-night sailing, why wouldn't a first-time cruiser want to do that, and it's because it's over so quickly, it's not truly indicative of a cruise experience, for someone like myself, who's been there, done that, it's great, because it's just a good excuse to get on a cruise ship, but it's over so quickly, you really, even for me, it was like, holy moly, you know, you don't, by the, you know, day two, which is the first full day of the cruise, I mean, you're basically over, you only have one more day left, and it just flies by. So my recommendation, you know, don't if you're your first timer, gosh, don't do that. But if you're if you're, you know, someone who's been there, done that, or been on that ship before, it's a great thing. You know, certainly for weekends. I don't regret it one bit. It just it flew by, especially compared to even doing four night sailings. You it, it's just a very, very quick experience. And uh, we had it was we had great weather, it was hot, but it was still enjoyable. Uh, we did the water slides, my daughter did the ultimate abyss. Uh, for the first time, she enjoyed that. quite. My oldest daughter, I should say. And um, we had a really nice time. It was a very fun escape. Uh, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh, trying, I, we're going back on Harmony of the Seas, I think, at least two more times that I can think of. So that's pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to getting back on Harmony. It's a fantastic ship. And I'm going to be curious because, again, as I alluded to, next week we're going to Navigator of the Seas. if you've been listening to this podcast, Harmony has always been my favorite. Navigator has been my second favorite. I'm really curious now how that's going to stack up, having both ships next week, you know, sailings, I should say, really close to each other, how I'm going to feel about that. Will there be a shift in the Matt Hochberg rankings of favorite ships? We'll have to see. I'll, I'll answer that question next week. So, all right, it's time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I dive into the inbox that you guys have sent me questions full of. That was some terrible grammar there. And I answer them right here on the podcast. And, of course, you can always send me your emails by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Chris Griffey, Ritz. The wife and I are tentatively planning a 2021 cruise of New England and Canada. Would love to go sooner, but have family obligations in 2020. I looked through your podcast archive and didn't see any episodes dedicated to these destinations, but may have missed out with so many episodes. So, two questions. Number one, is there one already that I should listen to? And if not, is there an episode you would... Consider doing in the future. Your blog and podcast were essential in helping us navigate our first ever cruise this year to Grand Cayman and Cozumel. Uh, Chris, thanks for the email, and I think it's a great idea. We have done some listener reviews. Uh, episode two sixty seven, we talked to uh, James about his cruise on, uh, I believe it was Adventure of the Seas to Canada, New England. So that's one that popped out. I think it's the only one. I actually looked through the archives here, and I didn't really see any other ones that we've done. I could be wrong. Uh, But I think it's a great idea. First of all, I want to do as much coverage as I can. So there's that, number one. Number two, uh, I would love to do more of that because obviously one episode of someone's cruise is probably not enough. So, with this summer season, I'm putting out an open call. If you're going on a Royal Caribbean cruise to Canada, New England, regardless of the ship, uh, reach out to me. Heck, if you've been there a lot, if you've done, I would say, more than three times to Canada, New England, Please send me an email. I'd love to hear your tips, advice for somebody going to Canada and New England. We, could, we really should do more coverage. This is a very popular itinerary. I'm actually going for the, I've never been myself, but I am going for the first time in 2020 on Brilliance of the Seas. Actually, it is a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. Yes, my friends. It is a shameless plug, but uh, we're going to go on Brilliance of the Seas uh, in uh, October 2020. You're invited to come join me for it. Uh, good news for Chris, is I'll go on before he does, so we'll have some tips there. But uh, if you want to come join me for it, tackle and check off that uh, Canada New England checkbox on your bucket list. Come join us where it. it's a seven-night cruise out of Boston. It's going to be awesome. We have more details about that at blog.com slash events. Next, we have an email from Mike pastore Hey, Matt, just a quick email to congratulate you on your 300th podcast episode. I've been studying listening to all of them in reverse order and just hit number 98. I've started listening somewhere around 260, so I made some good progress. When finally caught up, I suppose I can go back to listening to music in my truck again. As always, thank you for the great info, which makes me look like a cruise expert to all my non-expert friends. I'm excited to have sailings on Mariner and Navigator in May. Looking forward to seeing all the upgrades on both, as well as Perfect Day, cook Okay. We have a suite on Navigator as we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary and wanted to make sure it was as special as I could. And after that, it's Adventure of the Seas the ABC Islands in February, then Oasis in April. Hoping you set up another Orlando meetup sometime soon and really hope the timing of a group cruise works out in 2021. For me, fingers crossed, we we'll on Oasis 5. Once again, congratulations, and here's to the next 300 episodes. Mike, thank you so much for the kind, kind words. Uh, congratulations to you on 25 years of wedding bliss. Uh, that's awesome. And I, I really appreciate you uh, sending that very, very nice note, Mike. It, it means a lot. Thank you, sir. Next up, we have an email from Ken Patterson. who writes at time at, I'm new to Royal Caribbean. My family's booked on our first ever cruise. We're going to the Western Caribbean on allure of the seas on July 21st. My 19 year old son was asking about spending money at stores and restaurants, both on board the ship and during our visits to Labadee, Jamaica and Cozumel. He has a job and a debit card, but no credit card. My understanding is that you can't use cash on board the ship. You, you can't use cash on the boards yet, but he can put his own debit card on file associated with the CPAS at customer service. Or do all charges have to be associated with my credit card since his room is registered in my name? For instance, I purchased the Omelette soda package for him, but he would like to buy the occasional milkshake at Johnny Rockets, and he wants to pay for them out of his own money, which I totally agree with. Uh, so let's start with there. Yes, you can, Ken. So uh, for that standpoint, what you can do is um, during check-in, it'll actually ask you for that, Ken. When you go to do the online check-in, it will say, okay, uh, you let's say you check yourself in first, right? Assuming your son is in the room with you, you'll put in your name and your credit card. When you get to your son, there'll be an option to either use your credit card or add a new one. But even if you forget that or just forego it, you can always change it once you're on board the ship. You can go right down to guest services, have him change it to his credit card. No problems at all. This happens a lot of times again with like friends cruise together and obviously they want to have different billing. It's never an issue there. Just a quick stop at guest relations at the worst. Because I believe do that at the pier and or during the check-in process. So, the bottom line is, don't sweat it too much if it's not apparent or anything like that. You can always change that at any point during the sailing. But I would recommend doing it earlier so that way you don't get the billing mixed up. Ken, second question: When we are visiting our ports of call, should we plan, or in my son in particular, to convert currency before the cruise and bring cash, or will they accept U.S. dollars in the local stores around the pier? Or should he plan to be using his debit card? Looking for some advice on best practices you use or have seen. If doesn't all make sense. Thanks for so much what you do. Love the podcast and website. I've learned so much. Thank you again for the email, and uh, the answer is in Caribbean ports and most ports, you don't need to convert currency. So in the Caribbean, the answer is no, don't convert currency. Everybody loves and accepts U.S. dollars. There's absolutely nothing for you to do in advance of that. In terms of cash versus credit card, I bring both. I usually bring a fair amount of cash with me, and I bring one credit card as backup. Keep in mind, Ken, that in the Caribbean, very few places accept American Express or Discover. So you want to bring, a, ideally, a credit card that's either a Visa or a MasterCard. I would definitely bring a credit card, not a debit card, because of course, with with fraud and everything like that, credit cards keep you covered. Number two, or number I don't know, we're up to three, four. uh, Make sure it is a credit card, ideally, that doesn't have foreign transaction fees. Not all credit cards have this, especially some of the lower tier cards. So if you're interested in a credit card that... Um. Uh. You know. You basically what it means is if you have a credit card that you use in a, in a, outside the United States, some credit cards will, show you, will charge you a foreign transaction fee. It's a nominal fee for basically making a charge outside the U.S. Some of the more advanced cards or the travel cards come with the option to, um, to to you know, they don't have that in there because it's kind of a travel card. So check with your credit card, make sure that. But again, I the credit card is mostly backup. I bring the cash. If I go to a place that accepts it, I make the choice whether I want to use that or not. But the good news is you can bring US dollars. You don't have to change. I wouldn't even actually advise you to change currencies. It's just a hassle that you don't need to, to, to encounter. And uh, you'll be good to go. So hopefully that answers your question there, Ken. Appreciate the email. Let's move on to our next email. And that was be coming from our good friend, Cruise and Susan writes, just listen to episode 299 of the podcast. I have a couple of comments. In the terms of the photo package, I agree with taking as many photos as you can if you're getting the photo package. You mentioned places where they set up formal nights, but there's also a place, just a white screen, where they do informal photos. We got our package for our 25th anniversary and took pictures at every opportunity. Over 225. My husband was such a good sport. Our favorites were the informal ones. They even had props. Since it was December. We wore the Santa hats. It was just a nice, relaxed atmosphere. Shoes off sitting on the floor or on a cushion. By the way, Susan, I agree with that 100%. That's my favorite photo for the kids. It's basically just a white photo drop and they get, they pose in front. Of, it's it's exactly what Susan said and it's, it makes her the best photos. I agree a thousand percent, Susan. Susan also adds, for late flights, you didn't mention getting a day room. If you have a late flight, we, when we fly to Fort Lauderdale, we always have a late flight. So we get a day room at the roadway in. When we check in, we sign up for the free shuttle to the airport. We store our luggage, suitcases in the valet room. So we just have to tote bag to take with us. It's a great time to sit at the pool, check emails, make calls back home, or even take a nap. This is a very good, there's also a very good sports bar located on site. So a delicious, reasonably priced meal sure beats the food available at the airport. The first time we did a day room was after a cruise with friends. They opted not to do the day room and headed straight to the airport to wait for the 8.55 p.m. flight. When we got to the airport, we were well-rested and well-fed. Our flight was delayed by two hours, which didn't bother us, but our friends were miserable by having only the expensive pre-made sandwiches to eat and uncomfortable waiting room chairs. Twelve hours in the airport is not my idea of fun. Susan, thank you for the email, and i that's a great choice. You know what? I agree I should have mentioned that, because that's something I certainly overlook, is to get a day room, just to have a shower, somewhere to watch TV... I think it's a great idea, and depending on what the price is, of course, that may or may not be a good idea, but definitely look into it, and I'm glad that works out for you. Thank you for sharing that that tip with us, Susan. And our last question of the day comes to us from Sydney, who writes, I'm emailing from West Virginia. I'm sailing out of Baltimore with my family and friends on May 25th on Grandeur of the Seas. We're doing a five-night cruise in Bermuda. Have you ever been on the Grandeur? And if so, I'd like to know your experience. Second, have you been to Bermuda? We're going to Horseshoe Bay. We'd like to explore other parts of the island and other beaches. So I'm wondering if you knew of any unique things to do. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and enjoy listening every week. Thank you in advance. Sydney, thank you for the email. I've not been on Grandeur, but I have been on our ship, uh, Rhapsody of the Seas. And it's a classic cruising experience, so obviously, as you probably Probably no. Number one, you're cruising out of Baltimore. Very convenient. Number two, you're paying a lot less to go on Grandeur than probably any other ship in the floor. Any ship reasonably close to you as well. So that's a great option. And it's a classic cruising experience. So it obviously doesn't have, you know, a zipline or a flow rider. But it's still a fun little cruise ship. Uh, lots of time by the pool. I think you'll enjoy it. And a lot of folks who live in that area, Sydney, really are big fans of Grandeur. Just because it is that, uh, it's, it's a well-run uh, experience, if that makes any sense. So, I don't think you should worry about that one bit. I think you should have a, a great time. Uh, what I would recommend Sydney is check out on RoyalCaribbeanBlog We have our Cruise Compass archive. Look at a past Cruise Compass from Grandeur of the Seas and get a sense of what to expect on there in terms of entertainment, activities, timing, all those kinds of things. That's always a good tip. Uh, in terms of Bermuda, I've been to Bermuda one time. Going back to Bermuda this summer, but Horseshoe Bay definitely a great thing to do over there. That's by far a really really nice option when, when we talk about. The uh, uh, things to do in Bermuda, I mean, it's just top of the list right there. It's got to be. Uh, there's also, if you're looking for shopping, I would definitely recommend taking the ferry over to Hamilton, which is one of the cities in Bermuda. Great shopping, great dining as well. Check that out. Uh, you've got some other options. You, If you're looking for more, I, I, I don't know if you're doing overnight or if you're just there for the day, but uh, the Bermuda Zoo and Aquarium. You can have lunch at King Henry Eighth. St. George's Island by Ferry is another great option. You can uh, walk around and explore scenery throughout the island, so don't overlook that. You've got the Frog and Onion, Snorkel Park, um, but yeah, the Horseshoe Bay, that's like the go-to thing there. So some really good choices there for what to do in Bermuda. And Sydney, when you get back, please let me know what you ended up picking and what your recommendations are, because I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Really do appreciate it. And of course... Um, you can always send me emails if you want to have yours read on here on the podcast by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg and we'll talk again soon.